Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 21st edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready for part two of the NBA draft coming around the corner on Thursday. And with me once again is Ed Isaacson of the NBA Draft Blog.com. Does stuff with us on Roto World. Uh, tons of stuff, man. What's up, Ed? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Great, man. Uh, how, how are you doing? You must be uh, getting a little overwhelmed uh, this time of year. Yeah, but you know, you know the end is in sight. There's only a couple more, only a couple more days yeah. uh, left of this, and then it's uh, on to 2017. Yeah, man. Have you looked at is um is the 2017 draft class? I'm kind of, kind of putting it on the spot here. Is is I've heard that that class is a little bit stronger than this one. Um, I, I, you know, it's tough to say it, now. But. It, it's tough to say now, but if it, if all works out, you know the way. Uh, I think people expect uh, a lot stronger than this class. Okay, uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. what I keep hearing. So the teams uh, are tanking a year later. Uh, yeah, and I mean the lottery could be um, just as strong, if not stronger, than what we saw last year. Wow. Uh, you know, just a, a lot of unique talents and uh, guys who have skills that are, you know, Pretty ready to translate. Well, yeah, last year's draft, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that was one of the deepest drafts to have such an impact from almost top to bottom with Josh Richardson playing like a, a top five rookie in the last month and a half of the season. Norman Powell was amazing. And then obviously, Colonel Anthony Towns had arguably the best rookie season uh, like almost ever. <laughs> that yeah. was unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, probably, we probably won't see. Uh, anywhere close to a repeat, huh? For this season, last season is just an anomaly, but it won't. Do you see anybody else besides? It, it's pretty much just a two-player draft as far as guys who are going to make an impact out of the gate, or maybe Chris Dunn too. Uh, I, I think Dunn and Dunn and Heald um, are both sort of ready to step in and take major roles if they get them. Um, you know, the, the, the one other guy who I think and. I, uh, he's being a, not talked about as much. I think it, the word's picking up a little bit now as we get closer to Thursday, who can come in and make a big impact is DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah, I heard his name come up. Arvidas' son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, just plays the game different than a lot of these other uh, big men in that he's just so physical um, when uh, – out there that you don't see that a lot anymore um and he had a couple of matchups during the year um one against uh, you know against marquise chris who's going to be a top five pick probably uh yaka is going to be a top 10 pick probably um and sabonis just destroyed them wow. uh i think he I, I you know i can't remember the exact number but i think chris fouled out in 13 14 minutes against him jeez uh, Did Chris play pretty much mostly five at Washington? Four. Oh, he played okay. And uh, Sabonis is a four too. Uh, Sabonis is a four. You know they didn't. Um, you know Gonzaga's offense is very fluid that way. Uh, you know they had 
for most of the year they had uh, Zimak Karnowski uh, from you know the you know seven two three hundred pounds out of Poland. He got hurt towards the end of the year, so they had to make some adjustments. Um, but Sabonis was able to play the four um, with him out on the floor, uh, or even switch sometimes to the three when he had Kyle Wilcher out on the floor. Oh. So you had the two of them who. Uh, would play inside and out and, uh, you know, really made Gonzaga a tough matchup during the year. Nice. The only thing I saw was the, the HBO special. <laughs> I didn't really watch, uh, and late in the year, uh, I saw a little Gonzaga, but that's not, um, and you gotta like the last name, man. Uh, well, that's, so- <laughs> that, that's the thing is when you, you know, these guys who grow up around the game, it's just a different perspective and, uh, I think they have a much better understanding of the game. You know, compare how Sabonis views the game and his role and what he needs to do compared to everyone else his age. Uh, and it's light years ahead. Good to know. All right, so if you missed it yesterday, we went through picks 1 and one through 10, uh, more detail towards the top. So this one, we're going to go a little bit quicker with, to go through the 20 picks. Um, but before we do, I just wanted to see who do you think are you like high on compared to the consensus? Maybe one or two guys, and then guys you think you're lower on as far as high end players go. Uh, one guy who really stands out to me is uh, Demetrius Jackson, point guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, I know a lot of people have some problems with his size. He's only six one and a half, uh, but quick, phenomenal athlete. Uh, can knock down long-range shots, just a great understanding of uh, how to run a pro offense, which Mike Bray does at Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of pick and roll, a uh, lot of spreading the floor and finding shooters, and Jackson does all of those things well. And you know, you take if you just if you made him six two and a half instead of six one and a half, uh, you know, people would would view him a lot differently. Uh, but I think people get a little too wrapped up in in some of those numbers, and when it comes down to it, uh, the guy can the guy can just play the point as well as anyone in this draft. So is Isaiah Comp kind of a, a little too lofty, or is that kind of what he's ideally trying to be like? Um, no, it's a, it, 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 he's very different because okay. he, he's uh, more of. Yeah, he, he's a guy more of a passer than a scorer. Yeah, okay. he, he could score if you need him to, um, but he's more about running the offense, getting everyone involved, um, and much better on the defensive end. Oh wow, good to know. Because I mean, um, Jerry Grant, Notre Dame guy, he I thought he was a little disappointing last year. Do you see uh, Demetrius Jackson as like a kind of a better prospect coming into the draft? Yeah, and you know, Jerry and it was sort of tough because they were splitting, you know, they were basically splitting the point um, in Jerry and senior year. Um, so, you know, neither, neither of them really got the full, you know, the full amount of time they needed. Uh, but Jackson was able to get that this past year of being, uh, being the only point guard out there. And uh, again, a, you know, a second elite eight run in a row for Notre Dame. And he had uh a lot to do with that. Yeah, they were a, a really, like you said, a kind of a pro-ready kind of an offense from what I saw. Uh, so how about someone that you think 
may be a, a reach for some people. Um, anyone kind of jump out at you to think that you're like, right, I don't get why people like this guy so much. Yeah, uh, DeJounte Murray, uh, another point guard, this one out of Washington. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really sort of one answer to why he's being uh, discussed as uh, a possible lottery pick, and that's uh, Rich Paul. Uh, oh, wow. You know, he, he was smart about hiring him as his agent. Uh, you know, if you, if you had the chance to watch uh, Tony Roten when he was at Washington, uh, you'll, you'll end up with, with bad flashbacks um, and you'll get a headache. Uh, it's, a, it, it's the same kind of, you know, uh, point guard with good size, phenomenal athlete, uh, very good in the open floor. Uh, but the kind of decisions that you're wondering, you know, it, it kind of, you know, these point guards still make bad decisions here and there. But some of the ones he makes, um, you don't understand how the thought process goes that gets him to these, to these points. Like the, uh, I'm sure everyone's seen when Stephen Curry threw a behind the back pass that totally missed the clay. That now yeah. is now has become a meme of him behind the back passing the Larry O'Brien trophy. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, add to it, like Roten uh, can't shoot from the perimeter, uh, so he's very limited. You know, people will will uh, tote out you know tote out the uh, the, you know, the upside card on him, but again, you can only rely on on a guy's upside or potential for, for so much. And the reality is, um, you know, 90% of these raw prospects who have, you know, this fantastic potential never come close to it. Um, so just the, just from the pure numbers game, uh, the chances of Murray ever being worth a lottery pick are, are really slim. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I've seen a lot of people pimping him quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, I get, and then, the things you're saying sounds so much like Tony Roten, man. Like high usage, high turnover rate. That's that's Tony Roten to a T. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. So let's go through these picks here really fast. Um, we'll go through how each team got these picks too, in, in case you missed it. There's a lot of lot of tricks, uh, picks changing hands this year. So the Magic have their pick. New head coach Frank Vogel in the fold wants to run an up tempo style. They pretty much have their their starters, but they don't have a lot of depth. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty with Scott Skiles, the former coach, and not liking Alfred Payton in some reports saying that was why that they split. So I'm not a big Payton guy. I feel like going for a point guard here would make a little bit of sense. They have Depot and Mario Hazania on the wing, who was a little bit quiet in his rookie year, and then Aaron Gordon playing more of the four, and obviously Nikola Vucevic at the five, but really nobody behind that, behind those guys. Uh yeah, you know, and if there were some point guards who were really uh, in this range, I think that might be a direction they go. Um, but there's a good chance, you know, Dunn will be gone by this point. Um, there's a chance Wade Baldwin could be also. Um, you know, are they, a, a, you know, a contention to take a guy like Murray? You know, if Peyton, if Peyton is the problem, uh, Murray isn't the answer uh, to that. Sure. Uh no, I mean, I think they're going to be one of these teams, uh, you know, as, as good as Vucevic has, has been in, in some things, he's not really that defensive presence that sort of fits in um, with this young athletic core um, that they're building. 
and getting that that really good rim protector, I think, will be a priority for them. So, you know, we're going to see this run of Scalabissier, Jakob Pertl, uh, and Deonta Davis from basically Toronto, Milwaukee, Orlando, all looking at these type of players. Um, in my last mock, I had Deonta Davis sort of being the odd man out who ends up in Orlando. Uh, but he, he'll definitely be able to give them um, that kind of player in the middle. Early on, he can play the five. I think eventually, he, you know, they'll, they'll want to have him as more of a stretch four uh, once, his, once his skills sort of come along. But like all Michigan State guys, even a year under Tom Izzo has made him a really good defender already. Uh, I can, can't say uh, enough about Izzo defenders with, with Draymond. Um, yeah, Michigan State has a, a couple guys. We'll get to a few others. So we'll just move on here to the Jazz, who I thought have drafted pretty well. Dante Exum coming back. Uh, he had the ACL tear. He's pretty close to 100%. Uh, I feel a very underrated player. Um, we all knew he was going to be raw. And then I thought their pick last year was phenomenal. I love what Trey Lyles did in April. 13 points per game, 5.4 boards, 1.1 assists, 0.9 steals, and 1.6 trades. I mean, this guy's skill set's awesome. So another team that really has not much depth except for the front court, Favors, Gobert, and Lyles. is a great three-headed monster, especially with Favors playing the five. Uh, Rodney Hood has been a wonderful pick. Hayward, max player, pretty good. Uh, so they could go a lot of directions too, kind of in the backcourt. So what do you see for them? Uh, yeah, and they're going to be one of the prime candidates that if they can get out of this tri- out of this pick, um, they're doing everything they can. Uh, but you know, one point we'll disagree on is I'm not an Exum fan at all. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get it. Um, Just defense. I mean, he's not going to be a playmaker, um, uh, and. Uh, they don't need him to be. I mean, Rodney Hood runs that offense. Haywood runs the offense. So if you could have a defensive first point guard and maybe develop his shot a little bit, um, and I like what he did in the summer league last year. But yeah, I, during his NBA stuff, he, he was kind of disappointing. But I, I, I like what I like what he can do. Uh, uh, but with that being said, um, you know Trey Burke hasn't been you know any kind of answer at the point there. Nito is not going to be. Uh, an answer there. So I think Utah is going to be one of these, these candidates where, um, with Exum already a year behind in his development, that this is a prime landing spot for Wade Baldwin uh, to come in for the point guard position, even if he's just backing up Exum. Uh, he has you know, that ability to just break down defenses, and when you have uh, guys like Hood and Hayward and uh, you know, the, rest, the rest of the group, uh, you know, he's just going to make things that much easier on him once he sort of is able to rein in some of his bad tendencies. But another guy, you know, he's 6'4", but 6'10", 6'11", wingspan, uh, uh, and great defensive potential. So I think uh, this would be a good spot for Utah to, to shore up the position. Yeah, so I was 41% from three as well. So, I mean, I look at the numbers, and I'm like, why is this guy only going, like, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, he seems like um, he seems like the prototypical kind of point guard with the size and three-point shooting and 80% from the line is pretty good. Uh, I mean, he's, he's still young. He's only 20. So yeah, why, why isn't he going higher? There's some issues with his coachability okay. uh, and things like uh, on, that, on that side, the intangible side. Uh, that and the fact that he is a bit uh, out of control on the floor. Um, 
And a lot of times, Vanderbilt was a very talented team last year, and he just sort of took them out of games at times. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Tony Roan complex. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it was sort of, uh, you know, there were Russell Westbrook comparisons being made, just sort of that, you know, he'll get the ball and just fly down the floor uh, out of control and just not, but not have that finishing ability oh, wow. uh, that Westbrook has. Man, yeah, I see he's from New Jersey too. That's where I'm from. So I like to. Yeah, he's from McCutcheon. I used to we used to play them in uh, pop Warner football all the time. Also, is <laughs> a high school teammate of uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Yep, that's awesome. All right, so let's move on to the Suns picking thirteenth. This is the pick they got in the Markeith Morris deal. Again, they're picking fourth. Um, reports yesterday from Chad Ford saying that they're looking to move around, which I mean doesn't. Every team's looking to move around. It's the draft, so so I didn't really put too much stock into that. So they got a lot of options, like we said in the first episode. They need a power forward bad, so they probably fill that need there. We said Marquise Chris makes sense. So I mean, do you go for that spot again and double down? I mean, what, what would you do if, if you're the Suns? Yeah, I mean, just looking at you know when you get to this point, you're really looking at. Um, you know the best available talent who's still left. So if you have, you know, if you have a group, you know, a guy in this group who sort of falls to you here, um, you do sort of what Philly's done the last two years. Doesn't matter what position they are, um, you go ahead, you take them, and then you sort it all out later. Uh, so with, with Henry Ellenson, you know, good chance that he's still on the board uh, at thirteen. Um, you know, I think you you jump and take him. Uh, he's more ready to step in than than Marquise Chris would be if you took him at four. Um, plus, it's a, a much different skill set. He's he's much better around the basket, more skilled, not nowhere near the upside, uh, but a lot more polished uh, at this point and sort of capable. Of, you know, six eleven. I think he measured six eleven and a half at the combine. Um, so even can play play the five a bit um, for you if needed. Uh, you know the other way they can look is if they have no concerns with a you know a Denzel Valentine type, um, a guy who could play the one or the two for them. But guards aren't really uh, their thing. Or they can look at one of the international players like Cork Furkan Korkmaz, uh, who's not really ready to come over here right now and play, uh, but. He has this kind of value, so it would be sort of a high draft and stash kind of guy. Yeah, it's a little bit more popular nowadays. But Dario Saric looks like he's, he looks like he's going to come over now uh, after a couple of years. But yeah, Suns at thirteen. They they struck gold last year with Devin Booker at thirteen. So they'll, they'll look to have at least a close repeat. I don't see any way that, that they could do it again. Um, are you? I'm I'm so high on Devin Booker. Are you? Oh yeah, last year. Um, you know, I was I was. Very high on him going into into the draft, and uh, you know I, I think he showed probably more than I expected in the second half of the year. But um, you know it's definitely along the lines of what I thought he was capable of. Yeah, I love the the ball handling was a big surprise to me. I mean, he really ran the offense late. Uh, very very impressive stuff. So moving to fourteen, we got the Bulls. This team is full of question marks. Derrick Rose going to the last year of his deal. We have the Jimmy Butler rumors, so that they have a lot of stuff going on. Paul Gasol likely gone. Joe Kim Noah gone. I mean, this team is basically just has Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson will probably be on the block too. So they are they are in some trouble. 
um, they could go anywhere. Uh, so <laughs> what do you see here? Yeah, yeah uh, I think this could be another prime landing spot for, for Denzel Valentine if they don't have concerns with the, uh, the medical red flag. Uh, perfect kind of player for Hoiberg. Versatile, uh, can play good defense, uh, can knock down shots. So uh, I, I'd have a hard time believing uh, Chicago would pass on him if he's there. But the other guy, uh, we mentioned Sabonis. Um, with with the you know, the Gasol Noah era um, done pretty much, uh, you know Sabonis is the kind of guy who, while they have Portis um, already, again a much different kind of player, much more physical, um, and I think the two of them would sort of play well off of each other. Yeah, I think so too. Portis played a little bit more five late. Um, like you said, Sabonis played more of a four, but he can play some five. So I love that. I love the guys that can play four and five, three and four. I mean, without even really any sort of drop off. I think that's kind of the the key. I mean, Draymond Green's a good example for guys who. I mean, Draymond Green's not even tall. <laughs> so, um, do you do would do you think they would go backcourt? It sounds like the draft kind of falls off backcourt wise um, once you get past Dunn, Murray, uh, maybe Baldwin if you put up there. Is there kind of a uh, a little bit of a drop off after those guys. Uh, yeah, I mean after you know after the th- you know the three point guards. Um, Don Buddy Ball, Heald, I forgot to say Buddy Heald. Uh, yeah, in terms of you know in terms of point guards, it's Don Baldwin, Jackson, and if you're willing to take a risk on Murray, um, so you know Mur- either Murray or Jackson could be available here for them to look for. Uh, in terms of shooters, um, now you're not after after Murray and Heald, You're going to see uh, a pretty significant drop off. Yeah, I feel like it's hard. It's really hard to hit on a point guard later in the draft. Uh, like once you get towards the back end of the ladder, I feel like all the guys that kind of break out usually play on the wing or uh, or a big man. So, but you put, think you agree with that? I mean, it's not a lot of. Uh- yeah, I think you know, it, you know, lottery. You'll get your eventual starters, and in the second round, you'll get you know all your eventual backups. It's these guys who fall in the middle um, that you're just not really sure um, what you're going to be able to do with them because they're always a combination of some some good skill already, um, but not good enough to really uh, be able to put on the floor for for big minutes right away. Yeah, it sounds yeah. It's pretty hard to to hit uh, out of the gate, especially last year. Again, was kind of an anomaly. All right, so moving on to the Nuggets. They they have a little loaded draft. They have the number seven pick. They have the we're out of the lottery now. Fifteen. They got this pick from Ty Lawson. They have another pick at nineteen. We'll get to there. So I mean, this team and I and we talked about this last time. I love what the Nuggets have done in the draft. I'm not a big Moutier guy, but they've hit in so many different areas. Um, I mean, they traded. Doug McDermott for Joseph Nurkic and Gary Harris. I mean, I w- in a heartbeat, I would take Nurk uh, and Harris over over McDermott. Um, so another team with kind of a lot of options. They've got their point guard, it looks like, who came around, Moutier. Uh, Harris, I think, is locked in, good to go. Then we have the Gallinari, Wilson Chandler at the three. Uh, and then their two bigs, Jokic and Nurkic. So, I mean, they just pretty much want depth. And ideally, they could package these picks and move up, I would think. Uh, yeah, and that's one option they're going to look at. Um, the other is, uh, you know, you mentioned Nurkic and uh, Jokic and uh, Denver and, and, you know, Joffrey Laverne. Denver has done a great job with their international scouting um, over the past few years. 
And I think, you know, I think 15 and 19 are probably some prime spots for them to, to reach into that well again. Um, you know, we mentioned Furkan Korkmaz, uh, shooting guard out of Turkey, uh, still just 18, uh, you know, already has the makings of a legit NBA three point shot. Um, probably, you know, will end up being more versatile than people expect, um, at that position. Uh, the other guy they may have, may give a good look at at 15 is Timothy Luau, um, out of France, he he is going to be the internet, you know, the basketball internet's darling um, over the next couple of years, uh, taking over the reins from uh, from Giannis and uh, uh, Miritich. So, uh, no, no matter what the Wahoo does over the next couple of years, uh, he'll do no wrong in the eyes of basketball Twitter. Oh, is uh, just really exciting, or hey, you know, he just. You know, good size for the weight. You know, he's six seven. You know, has those really long arms. Great athlete, uh, but you know, skills are emerging. But still, you can tell that there's a lot of potential there. Um, you know, and he, and he plays uh, with this Megalex team uh, over in Croatia, which is, uh, you know, in terms of European squads, is. A very interesting group of players. Uh, other than their hot pink uniforms, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, prospects we're going to be see coming, you know, coming over the next few years are, are going to be coming from from that team. I see. I mean, thirty-one minutes uh, overseas at twenty-one years old, even if it's uh, a European league, it's still pretty impressive. Oh yeah, and. You know, it's again. You have to understand sort of the backstory of this team he plays for. Um, it's actually owned by an agency <laughs> oh, uh, whose players all play for it. So it's everything is about marketing these guys. Oh wow! Um, you know, in the best possible way. So these young guys will be getting a lot of minutes playing at a playing in a good, in a, in, you know, in European standards, a pretty good league. Yeah, I heard that they're uh, pretty a little bit more lenient on on buyouts. I read something about that the other day. Is that? I uh, don't know if that's. Yeah, and again, it's uh, a lot of it has to do with you know the, the agency's goal running yeah. this team is to make you know yeah exactly. Money. So you put the guy back in the USA playing some NBA, and that's great PR right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, great PR and. Uh, you know the money that the, the the commissions they'll get off that contract. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So um, yeah, Denver. I mean, that, if they want to go wing, um, that would definitely be a good spot. There's they're they're in a, the catbird seat, I guess. So another team loaded with picks is Boston. They have the the 16th pick. This is the Mavs pick from the Rajon Rondo deal. Uh, and man, they, they are there's a lot of rumors and. Today, there was a rumor saying that the 76ers are trying to get that number three pick off Boston to go ahead and get Chris Dunn. So that would presumably be a Jaleel Okafor or Nerwin's Noel. So maybe, the, I mean, the Celtics, I could see this. If they don't trade three, I think this pick's gone. Uh, and I think they both might be gone. So it's tough to speculate what they're going to do here. But, I mean, what would you, it, again, they probably would go big if they have this pick, which I, I highly doubt. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to figure out what Boston um, can do in terms of packing. I mean, not only the three first round picks, but five second round <laughs> picks in this draft. Uh, so a lot of assets to sort of um, work with here. Uh, you know, again, it's just a matter of 
you know, if they end up keeping these picks, you just sort of stockpile the talent, um, looking at the best available um, player who, you know, who could be in this spot, whether it's uh, Sabonis, we talked about Demetrius Jackson, um, you know, or it's also a good spot where, you know, Boston has done this before, uh, where if they really like a guy, they'll reach for him. Uh, you know, no one saw Terry Rozier going uh, as high as he did last year. So, you know, when you have the situation Boston has, um, they can, you know, they can reach for someone um, at this point uh, or hope that, hope that someone, uh, you know, falls to them. You know, there's always going to be a surprise in, that, in those first 14, 15 picks, which means someone that we're expecting is going to fall out. Um, but, you know, if everything sort of plays to plan, again, Sabonis could be a guy here for them. Uh, again, even though it's not um, a huge need for them right now, it helps out. Or uh, they could take a high upside, uh, upside guy like Czech Diallo. Um, you know, 6'9", power forward, run, runs the floor really well, kills on the offensive boards, um, but still so raw. It's like he's never been taught. Uh, to play basketball oh, before, wow. uh, you know. So he, again, he's another name um, that if they're going to look for, you know, to reach for someone, um, it may be a good spot for him. Yeah, they probably want to go more NBA ready. I mean, they're kind of knocking on the door. They were kind of in that second tier, right behind Cleveland. I mean, they, you know, Toronto. They had the number two seed, but obviously we saw them in the playoffs. They were not uh, a number two kind of seed. Um, but yeah, so they're probably going to want to go um, NBA ready. So I mean, like, but they're going to they're going to trade this pick anyways. I think so. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So moving to seventeen, they got the Grizzlies. Uh, really, really uh, sticky situation for them with Mike Conley uh, heading into free agency. So they that's this is the the one part I don't like about the draft is you have very little idea of if you're keeping guys sometimes, and sometimes I know like. The Blazers, they knew the Marcus was going last year, so they kind of made some moves with Batum and all that. So, I mean, the Grizzlies are in bad shape. Gasol coming off an injury. Zebo's nowhere near what he used to be. Um, I mean, they don't have a lot of wings. Jordan Adams, who looked good at times, has all sorts of injury issues now. I mean, they, they need some help, especially on the outside. Tony Allen's not getting any younger. Uh, yeah, and it's, you know, this is, you know, the Grizzlies were... Uh, sort of part of the rumor mill in the last couple of days also. There was a report that uh, Malachi Richardson, um, shooting guard out of Syracuse, had gotten a promise from them, um, which was uh, then, I think, retracted pretty quickly. But um, whether it's a promise or not, they are very high on him. Uh, you know, yeah, didn't have a great freshman year at Syracuse, but uh, when it came tournament time, he was a major force behind Syracuse's uh, surprising Final Four run. Uh, uh, you know, another guy's you know six six, but but a seven foot wingspan, uh, great athlete, has some shooting ability. Uh, he just has that knack of being able to score, um, and there's a lot to like. But you know, he's not going to be someone. Uh, if the Grizzlies want to sort of stay as a playoff team, he's not a guy who's going to make. Uh, any kind of impact right now. Yeah, and he's more of um, 
like you said, he he wasn't really very good, and he probably helped his he probably moved up like thirteen or fourteen spots or so just from the um, what he did in the final four, right? Uh, I mean, I don't even think people were expecting him to come out um, this year. Wow! Until until the final four run. And even after that, it was sort of, okay, it might be nice to test the waters, but you'd be nuts to, to stay in. Uh, but, you know, there are guys who are sort of like workout warriors. And, you know, Richardson, I think, falls in that category where, you know, the way, the way he plays right now will sort of shine in these, in these workouts. Um, but there's sort of no guarantee it's going to translate uh, to real games, but it said the Grizzlies are sort of in flux right now. So, um, you know, it doesn't really hurt, um, to sort of reach for someone at this point. Cause, uh, you're hoping to still be retain Conley. Um, if you do that, then hopefully be able to attract someone else, uh, in free agency and go from there. And Richardson will be ready in another year or two to help out. Um, but again, Sabonis, I think, could be a prime landing spot for him here, too. Yeah. Uh, Gasol coming off the injury. Randolph having, I think, a year left on his deal. Um, Jarrell Martin didn't really uh, impress in his limited time last year. Uh, so if a Sabonis falls to you here, I think you, you jump on him. Yeah, Jermichael Green had like a good two-week run for him. Uh, and then he kind of fell off. New coach, by the way, too, David Fisdale, coming over from Miami. So he'll install a lot of the... Coach Spolstra, a lot of different lineups, uh, kind of stuff that he'll incorporate. So yeah, getting a guy like Richardson kind of makes some sense. Uh, moving on to Detroit, sitting at the 18 spot, um, gonna have most of their guys back. They they got Tobias. That was a nice trade for them to play him at the four. Stanley Johnson, a little disappointing after a very very impressive Orlando summer league. So I was a little down on that. Reggie Jackson still around. Andre Drummond, best rebounder in the NBA. Uh, Contavious Cobwell Pope took some steps forward. So this team's in a pretty good spot. They they like to have a difference maker, which you're not going to get at 18. Um, so, yeah, another team that just pretty much wants to get a backup and probably go best available, right? Uh, yeah, and they can do it at pretty much uh, any position here. But there's a glut of, um, you know, these athletic fours or stretch fours um, or even um, – looking for someone on the wing. Uh, we mentioned Diallo already. He could be um, sort of a, a nice candidate here. His energy would bring something a little bit different um, with the second unit when he gets to that point. Um, Richardson, if he gets past Memphis, again, another prime candidate uh, for them to shore up the wing, especially since uh, we're getting closer to Caldwell Pope. Um, event, you know, his, his rookie deal running out. Um, and him probably going to command a good amount in free agency uh, the way he played last year. Um, or they can look again for that, that, um, that four who can shoot uh, to put next to Drummond, uh, a guy like Juan Hernan Gomez uh, out of Spain, played with the same team as Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Uh, his brother uh, was a, a second-round pick last year. Um, you know, good size at six nine uh, can already hit the international three pretty consistently. Uh, good athlete, so you know a lot of different ways Detroit can go here. And they may want to get a, a backup point guard too. They recently uh, traded Spencer Dinwiddie 
Uh, so that's something to. I mean, they they pretty much have no one behind Reggie Jackson. But then, like we were saying, maybe uh, maybe your boy Demetrius Jackson in that spot, somewhat NBA ready player. I feel like that'd be a nice little fit. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's a um, an opportunity there for him. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know if Murray was to fall at this point if they would take a shot on him because I'm sure Reggie Jackson uh, already drives Van Gundy nuts. <laughs> yeah. Adding Murray to that mix. Um, wouldn't help him. Uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be good for his heart probably. <laughs> yeah. um, or a Denzel Valentine type, who, while not a, well now not a pure point guard, is a phenomenal playmaker, great passer. Uh, but you can also play you know, play him at the two. Um, so add some more versatility um, to to the Detroit lineups. Yeah, definitely. That's what Van Gunny loves, man. He loves those guys to guard different positions. Uh, and they have Aaron, Aaron Baines as a solid backup, so they don't really need a need a big man too too much. I, I love Aaron Baines, by the way. Um, so Denver's back on the clock again at 19. This is from the Aaron Aflalo trade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've pretty much already talked about that. Um, do you want to add anything on Denver again? We can just move on if nah, you want. No, nah, I think they're pretty much... Um, you know, 15 and 19 are sort of interchangeable for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, so all the guys we talked there, if any of them fall to then to 19, they'll they'll probably jump on those guys also. Yeah, sounds about right. All right, so we got the Pacers at 20. New coach alert, Nate McMillan. Um, very, this is very odd to me. Uh, Larry Bird. Oh, we want to push the tempo, and he goes ahead and hires the the slowest pace yeah. <laughs> coach I've ever seen uh, in in my life. Um, very interesting move. Uh, team that's very much kind of like Orlando, where they have a little bit of everything. Miles Turner was a steal, who's been durable. Um, Paul George obviously is the man, but they could use another big. Um, they have Montez still. They have George Hill, who are not really impact players, but you don't really need them with Paul George. So again, kind of best player kind of thing. What do you see for them? Yeah, it's you know when the, when the Pacers fall in the lottery range, they have a tendency to look at the Turner types, the high upside guys, and we'll wait for them. When they're outside of the lottery, uh, the Pacers are one of these organizations. Uh, Atlanta's like this also. They love the three, four year college guys. Um, you know, guys who have a better understanding of the game uh, can come in and uh, make some kind of impact right away. Uh, I think Torian Prince. Uh, out of Baylor is one direction. Um, they'll look uh, good size on the wing, six, seven and a half, six, eight. Uh, lo- you know, long arms can, can defend, can knock down uh, jumpers, uh, can attack the basket, can run the floor. Uh, you know, sort of that versatility that will will allow uh, McMillan to to toy around with some some lineups. Uh, if they want to add another big, you're not going to find a lot of NBA-ready talent here. Uh, Damian Jones out of Vanderbilt uh, was the closest thing, but uh, just announced that he's having surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know teams are you know where he might have fallen in this range earlier. I think teams are going to be a little more hesitant uh, to pick him this high, uh, so you could see him drop. Uh, so again, the, you know the theme going from this point on is is best player available and see, you know, who's going to be the guy that who drops, you know, who you expect to go ahead of here. Yeah, Damian Jones has the uh, Kevon Looney syndrome now. <laughs> guy who looked like he's pretty talented, but uh, these injuries are, are going to kind of come back to bite him and cost him a little bit of money. 
Um, so we'll move on to, like you said, the Hawks, a team that kind of likes to go for more NBA-ready kind of talent. They are another team with a major question mark with Al Horford, who's likely going to command a max deal. Um, there's the Jeff T trade rumors, Dennis Schroeder by the same token, also on the trade block. Uh, they have to re-sign Kent Bazemore, which should be a priority for them. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this team's very much like Memphis. They They could be a solid four seed in the playoffs, or they could be out of it depending on how their, their contracts go. So, um, like we said, probably best player here, but yeah, that they need, they need help, uh, at Mike Muscala hasn't been very good. Mike Scott has, uh, off court troubles. Um, yeah. And then if they don't sign Baysmore, they're going to need a wing bad. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that was sort of the direction I was going, uh, when I did my last mock, uh, and sort of fits in with the, the experienced college player. DeAndre Bembry out of St. Joseph's um, fits the bill for them. Uh, just an aggressive defender on the wing. Uh, you know, has a versatile offense, can create off the dribble. Uh, does everything basically but knock down long-range shots at this point. Uh, and... You know, just a great understanding of the game. Phil Martelli is another one of these college coaches. If you if you if you played for him, uh, you get a great uh, education in in how to play the game. And Bembry has that maturity that I think will allow him to uh, step on the floor early, uh, early on compared to most other rookies, um, and make you know at least a minimal impact on the team. And he he's been the St. Joe's coach for like forever, right? Uh, oh yeah, I mean the guys yeah. the guy's a legend. Uh, I mean he was there with Jameer Nelson and uh, Delonte yeah. West. Uh, no, I mean he's a he's a Philly institution, uh, <laughs> and one of the you know, one of the most personable coaches. You know, he's the guy everyone loves. Nice. Hopefully uh, he's um isn't uh, attracted to guns like uh, Delonte West is. Uh, no, no, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right, so moving on here, we'll kind of zip through these last few. Uh, we got the Hornets picking 22. Al Jefferson, I think, is going to be a goner. Um, they're going to do everything they can to sign Nick Batum, who's going to command a huge contract. Um, Kemba was a breakout player last year. Um, they had to re-sign Jeremy Lin, which I think is a priority for them, too. He had a, a very good year for them as a combo guard. Um, I mean, Zeller hasn't been too terrific. He pretty much is just a backup. So um, they definitely could use a big, but definitely could. And then they, they get MKG back, I forgot to say. Um, from the, He's been hurt basically the past year and a half. So uh, Yeah, and this spot. would have been a prime landing spot for Damian Jones. Um, yeah. and Charlotte needing a big. Uh, and they still might pull the trigger on him. Um, I'm sure they're doing all their homework on um, you know the seriousness of, of the shoulder injury and how long it will be till he's able to play. And if everything sort of checks out on their end, I think it's still a direction um, they'll consider uh, at that pick. Uh, you know, the other option is if you're if you're gonna if Batum if they're assuming that Batum might not um, be back for them. You know, they can look at, uh, you know, a guy like Malik Beasley, um, you know, shooting guard as good enough size. They might be able to, you know, to play uh, a smaller three in some lineups, uh, good perimeter shooter, just a freshman. So uh, still a lot of potential there. Uh, decent defender already. Uh, so maybe a good guy for um, 
Charlotte to key in on if they're assuming uh, Batum is gone. Yeah, it's a, a tough one, man. They they uh they need they should have some insight, but that's uh that's gonna be it. I mean Batum, I love Batum. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the Celtics are picking twenty three with their pick. I I don't think we need to even talk about that anymore. No. Nah, the, the, <laughs> All right. Uh, and then we have uh, the 76ers again uh, coming up here. Uh, this pick is from Miami. They have um, – this is from the, the, the Thaddeus Young, Th- uh, Kevin Love trade. Um, they got that pick from Cleveland. So, yeah, I mean, this team's got to um, probably try to move up. They may try to do something with this pick. But assuming they keep it, I mean, what they, again, need a lot of help. Boy, backcourt. I mean, if they're going to go Simmons 1 – and by the way, um, Chris Haynes of uh, Cleveland.com is saying that uh, Ben Simmons is going to go number one for a fact. So, um, yeah, they pretty much have to go backcourt, I would think. With, uh, um, yeah, and I think they'll do that at both 24 and 26 if they keep these picks. Um, you know, uh, before this sudden rise of uh, DeJounte Murray, this would have been a prime spot for him. Um same with uh, Demetrius Jackson. If he ends up falling this far, I think would be a great pick for Philly at 24. Uh, Malik Beasley, um, who we just talked about, uh, could give them a shooter that they could definitely use uh, on, on that wing. But other than that, you're not going to find a lot of guys who've sort of fallen this range. Uh, so, again, I think Philly... Uh, there's like Boston, like Phoenix, everyone else. If they can sort of package these and pick up uh, an asset and maybe you know later pick, uh, they'll be willing to do it. And this is these are the kind of picks that teams like the Knicks are targeting. Yeah, and then I guess to another point that kind of helps for selling these picks is like we said with uh, Doug McDermott, Joseph Nurkic, Gary Harris trade. Like they packaged those to move up, and it worked out for them. So you know it's kind of like a little. Throw in for some negotiate, um, and yeah, I think whoever the the Sixers take in, if they do take this pick, I think whoever they take is going to be in a really good spot to produce. I mean, in, a, in his rookie season for you fantasy guys out there, I think that'd be something to watch. Uh, so you mentioned the twenty six pick going to Philly. Uh, in between those two picks, uh, the Clippers um, should have most of their guys back. There's going to be a lot of rumors of CP three getting traded and. Blake getting traded, and well, DeAndre Jordan has his Max Steely signed last year. A um, little bit thin on the wing. Paul Pierce, not really there anymore. Um, then, yeah, that they didn't really. Uh, Jeff Green's out of contract, too, so definitely want to go uh, on the wing, I would think. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think they're hoping that, uh, you know, one of the wings like Prince or uh, Bembry fall to them. Again, this is not. Not the draft where you're going to find uh, a lot of wing talent, um, especially first-round talent. So, again, the Clippers are a prime candidate to to sort of trade this pick. Um, If not, um, look and go high upside uh, because you're not going to find what they really want. So if you end up having to keep the pick, um, plan for the future a bit. Uh, We talked about a guy like Diallo. Um, there are a couple of, of uh, international centers, Avika Zubak and Ante Zizic, um, who could pay off down the road for them, um, though they're not quite ready yet. Uh, if, if Beasley happened to still be there, it uh, would be great to sort of uh, let him learn under uh, J.J. Redick. So a lot of different options and 
but best best thing for them is if they if they can deal this pick and get an asset they can use now, um, they, they'll be all over that. Yeah, and I mean this team has not had really any sort of decent draft impact really since Blake in 2009. I mean they had Aminu who was pretty good, but. They took C.J. Wilcox in 2014. Didn't have a pick last year. Reggie Bullock, who I kind of liked uh, in 2013. They've been trying to find that extra piece on the wing for a while, uh, and it just hasn't happened yet. So, And it's going to be tough to do it in, in this spot here at 25. Okay, so let's wrap up these last few picks, kind of rapid-fire style here. So where, where are we? We're at 27. Um, this is the Raptors pick. Um, at, at, they probably want to go big, big. I mean, Or they could draft and stash. Uh, yeah, draft and stash seems like a good option. I'm assuming they're going to go big at nine. Um, so at this point, they get the two international centers, um, Zizic and Zubak, who I mentioned, if, the, if either of them is available, is a good, um, good choice for them. Uh, Damian Jones, who we mentioned with the injury, uh, if, he's, if he falls this far, uh, they may want to take a risk on him. Uh, Hernan Gomez, the stretch four. Uh, another guy they can look at uh, whether to bring him over right away or to stash. Or uh, one name to watch out for: Steven Zimmerman, um, freshman out of UNLV, uh, seven footer, um, skilled, you know, but still has a lot of potential and uh, a good shot blocker. It's uh, can he, is he a decent shooter? Like from free throw, I haven't really. Um, you know, the numbers weren't there, uh, but he, he's shown that he can knock down. Um, uh, some threes already and has some consistency in the mid-range. So it's more a matter of a, you know making some smaller adjustments to his shot than it is teaching him how to shoot. Okay. Yeah, and he's a 64% free throw shooter. I could live with that. Uh, I, I love I love free throw sh- guys who can make free throws and block shots like Miles Turner. Uh, I, love, yeah. I love guys like that. Yeah, and he's you know he's just played one year of college. A lot of you know a lot of potential still there. Uh, you know, teams are just sort of down on him because he doesn't have that that physical. You know, he's he's not very physical, not very aggressive, and it shows in his play a lot. That kind of wow factor. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what's this? What else we got here? I mean, there's nothing really else to talk about, I guess. Uh, uh, we have San, yeah, San Antonio, yeah. Golden State will somehow make great picks, even though they're even though they're picking twenty nine and thirty. Yeah. Hey, Kyle Anderson hasn't really panned. Everyone was like, "Oh, Kyle Anderson steal the draft." And he he's been okay, but uh, that's well, it, a little disappointing. Yeah, you know, the thing with Kyle Anderson is you're just not sure what to do with him yet. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, and if anyone's going to be able to figure it out, it's the Spurs. It's just going to take it's going to take some time, but. Uh, I think he, he's going to end up being one of the better guys from that draft once it's all said and done. Yeah, he's been, he's been pretty good. I think if you play in like an old man league, he'd be like the most valuable player with the, <laughs> the slow-mo style. But uh, he's pretty good. So, I mean, they have Boban. They have Tim Duncan getting older. Obviously, Kawhi, they're set. I think Anderson's a fine backup. Um, they could use a shooting guard, I guess. Uh, I mean, I don't um, – with Manu. Jonathan Simmons was, I thought, all right. But he's not – he's just like – back into the rotation kind of a guy so uh yeah there's not a lot here in terms yeah. of shooting guards uh, you know one guy to watch out here for here is bryce johnson out of north carolina uh, another in the line of uh north carolina uh power forward uh <laughs> sean may no <laughs> uh, uh, no more, you know he's following more along uh, along the ed davis line you know yeah. uh you know 
he, he sort of came along in the same fashion also where, uh, you know, like Henson, John Henson and Ed Davis, yeah. uh, the defense was there, the rebounding was there, the offense was a little bit slower, but this last year um, was one, one of the best players in the country, uh, you know, with his ability to, to knock down shots, you know, within 10 feet or so uh, and, and hit the boards. So, uh, and, a, and a phenomenal athlete. So I think a kind of guy that San Antonio would love to to add, you know, add for some depth um, down the road. Yeah, that sounds really, really nice. So sticking with the North Carolina theme, uh, a team that probably doesn't want this North Carolina forward back, Harrison Barnes, um, a.k.a. Harry B. He, he's probably gone, man. I mean, I don't know how Goldstein brings him back. Um, uh, no, because he'll command a lot more money than yeah. they're willing to pay. And, you know, I'm, you know, well, yeah, I can understand some disappointment with Barnes. I think um, the Golden State fans take it more to an extreme. Like, you know, if you were just to read them, um, you would think he's the worst guy to ever step on <laughs> on the floor. Um, and you know, during, if you watch him during the year, he had some big moments. There are some things he definitely still needs to work on. Uh, but Golden State, again, you know, they want to stay on top. Um, if they're going to go for anything here, they're going to go for a high upside guy um, for the future, like they have, like they did with Looney last year. Uh, guy to watch, Diamond Stone, out of Maryland, um, 250 or so, uh, just solid body, uh, very good around the basket, but still really learning how to play. Uh, you know, send him down to Santa Cruz for a year, um, and then you know, a year or two, he's a legit NBA backup uh, for them. Four or five years down the road, he could be starting for them. Nice. Yeah, they need a nice little rim protector behind. I, I think that they have to go big. Festus Azili is also probably a goner, um, but they're going to make some splashes in free agency too. Kevin Durant, maybe? Huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that should be cool. All right, so that's it. Um, anything else you want to add? I mean, things you want to like watch or anything that you, like, guys, your, your teams, like we said, uh, Boston, the Suns, the Sixers, these teams have three picks. It's yeah. going to be pretty crazy. Do you, do you think a lot of trades will go down? Oh, yeah. I think um, everyone everyone's going to be looking to deal um, if they can, uh, especially the lottery teams are going to want to move down with the exception of Philly who um, – Re, you know, really wants that that number three pick from Boston, uh, but the thing to really watch for is this year's second round. There's a lot of talent in there. So who do you uh, who do you like, by the way, in the second round, guys? We haven't really talked about anybody you could think of. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Yeah, uh, uh, Isaiah Whitehead out of Seton Hall. Um, you know, he'll drive you crazy in a Lance Stevenson kind of way, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of talent there. And he started to put it together second half of his sophomore year last year. And I know Thon Maker was kind of making noise, like, I want to say 12 months ago, you know, right before the draft last year. Uh, and he's really, I mean, kind of falling off the radar. Uh, anything about why uh, or? Well, you know, he's a guy who there's a chance he, he can sneak into um, – the first round, uh, late first round, a team looking for uh, a high upside guy, but you know this is what his development has been a mess over the years between his guardian moving him around and uh, no one really sort of taking charge. So he's he's a seven footer who thinks he's a small forward. Um, 
so that you know that there's a lot there. But again, a high upside uh, kind of player and a guy that yeah, Golden State at thirty may take a shot on him. Or we talk about the Clippers at twenty five. These teams that don't really are really going to get anything out of this draft. Uh, so he can really go anywhere from twenty five to forty five or fifty. Um, you know, because his workouts really haven't seen, you know, the word coming out of his workouts have been, yeah, he's okay. Uh, you know, not the Don Maker where, you know, people were posting his mixtapes on, yeah. online all the time. And, uh, but if someone takes charge of his development and steers him in the right direction, uh, he can be, a, you know, a decent NBA player. If he was Brazilian, I don't think he would get past Masayu Jerry, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he loves his Brazilian prospects with Bay Bay and Bruno. Alright man, so uh, thanks so, a little longer today on the pod. Uh, hopefully I didn't keep you too long, but thanks so much for coming on. This is great. I love all this information. Uh, no problem. Anytime. Alright, great. So thanks a lot and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Catch you next time. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.